the swamps of South Florida. Back in the storage closet, it's Bitcoin Grove. Captain Brunch talking to you. Coming to you live, swinging from tree to tree. It's Chip. Saturday, September 16th, 2023. And Got that date you know. in there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I was going to actually write down the episode number and I didn't. But it's, you know, in the 30s, somewhere 35. Uh-huh. So uh, we're back at Bitcoin Grove, and uh, but this is a, the new location. We've got the founder and overlord, Roz, in, this, uh, in the Bitcoin Grove studios with us. Welcome, Roz. Where is he? Hey. Hey, oh, up? there you are. Hey, you came out of nowhere, man. You, got, you can't do that. Popped in. You just popped in. <laughs> Thank What's you guys for, on? yeah, doing another Saturday Night Lit from the Bitcoin Grove, but uh, our new Bitcoin Grove and our more—it's uh, a, a better fit of a, of a suite within a, a, a co-work, which already has a lot of exciting startup projects and other <laughs> things happening. So, like you know, maybe some of the the ones that like Bitcoin would find us and work work with us over here. So, could you show us around? Is this, this the storage closet right here? So we're in the storage closet, which is the main the main s- center. Yep, and oh, out I here, see that corner right there. Okay. So out here, you see the uh, Starship Enterprise. That's <laughs> where you plug in. You you know the Matrix. You, know, you get up right in the back there. So what is the like? The we're we're looking at a very large uh, white screen. Yeah. Plus a, another one next to it. So like, what's the total resolution on that? I think the the long one they say is forty nine. I think you measure from top le- top corner to top, bottom corner, and the other one's a normal display. But the forty nine inch wide, that's a that's a wide screen. But that's yeah, that's one of the things that got donated. We had a bunch of other generous donations. Uh, this beautiful desk behind you and the table we're on, and some of the other things that we're furnishing in here. But this space is a bit more than uh, than we used to have. So we're we're going to continue to build out. And add more resources. So we also, you know, there's a lot more here, as I was alluding to already, with the coffee on tap, yeah. the, the print station, the mailbox, you know, all these services that uh, kind of come. It's people call it the ghetto we work, but I like to, I like to, <laughs> you know, put it on a higher pedestal. It's a, it's just a more uh, real. It's like the real Miami vibe for, you know, builders, people that want to. Not just come and play in Miami, but maybe hunker down and throw some things at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah, I'm sure there's been these kind of spaces way before WeWork. So they call it the ghetto WeWork is like the opposite. <laughs> maybe the bohemian <laughs> WeWork or... I, somebody else said that. I, I heard that and I, I felt like it's not a not a good thing to call it. <laughs> bohemian Grove. <laughs> We're uh, here. Uh, We're here. And I'm happy on the, the you walk in made, you know, it's got this hallway in the the front there the lobby where they have you know locals featuring locals and then you have a a directory of all the stuff and now we have a a bitcoin thing on that directory which i think is exciting the btc grove on there yeah so so this is at made at the citadel which is a co-work space like shared thing and this is an office that's in this space we're right across the street from the citadel which I think is most notable for having like the food hall, yeah. um, which is mostly Asian styles of food, right? I don't think that's correct. No, it's a, it's a diverse offering with pizza, seafood, diverse offering. I don't even think there is. There's a Japanese place, and there was a Southeast Asian, which is no longer there. Oh, really? Did yes. they also have a Filipino place? That was the one Southeast Asian. Really? But it was replaced with a burrito. Okay, so I, I totally mischaracterized the place. Wow. It was replaced with a burrito operation, which is not Asian at all. Is that, <laughs> is that, a, is that a metaphor for like the, like the immigrant um, problem going on? Well, I think it's a, yeah, there's a, you know, the a lot of the people who come here from different places with different cuisines will bring some of that cooking and it, it adds some flavor and diversity. So a lot of times, you know, the immigrant populations put out the best food. And uh, yeah, the reality of, of South Florida and Miami, we don't, we don't have a huge, uh, population of a lot of Asian immigrants huge, here. No. So like, we do we all sound far from the microphone or is it just we're missing out on a lot of good food? I think it's just Roz. Yeah. I love, I love, I sound far away. Food. Yeah. Just get closer to the mic, but the Caribbean food, that's where it's at. At the, and that, that's one of the, the best 
things over at the food food hall is uh, the manje. Oh it's yeah, one, one of my go tos. Yeah. Don't worry, do. the mic has been sanitized by the grace Caribbean food over there of Satoshi. Nothing like Naomi's, but you know, it's it's completely <laughs> different uh, different type of offering. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for having us. It's nice to be a part of history, as Captain Brunch always says. Yeah, welcome. Definitely are in more ways than one. So we're, excuse me, slowly going to build out our little spot here in the storage closet, what we lovingly call our podcast studio from Bitcoin Grove. <laughs> yeah, we're, you know, we're pioneering our, uh, we're paving the way for future generations of free human beings <laughs> there you on go. the internet. Speaking of the internet, let me make sure the stream is going because I'm kind of worried. I'm pretty sure. I mean, Panda was commenting oh, on the sound. Perfect. Okay, cool. He said, you all sound up, far Panda? from the mic. He said mile, and then he then he said mic, also some echo. Um, yes, yeah, so for the audio files out there, I apologize for the echo, but you know. It's you know, it's a work a in progress. It's a part of the charm, you know. Yeah, you know, when you get to a new location, you kind of have to start to figure it out and you know, like we didn't have an extension cable and like the first room we were going to do it in, we couldn't do it in because we didn't have any power in that room. And, you know, you just kind of, you live and you learn. Yeah, we were doing some acrobatics in there. <laughs> it's just a podcast. My podcast, damn it. So, Chimp, you said you had a life update. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, let's just get it out, man. Just like air your laundry. So if you want to talk about that... Um, Last couple of shows, you accused me of lying. Oh, no. <laughs> you sullied my good chimp chimpanzee name. Oh, no. And said I lied and made up a reason not to come oh. on the on the podcast. Oh, which, oh, I mean, it's true. I'm remembering. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. Okay. I have done it in the past. Oh, not. you have done it in the past, but not this time? Is just that what kidding. You're just kidding. I, 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 I will always tell you when I, I don't feel like doing stuff. I, I won't lie about it, but... So unfortunately, one of my dogs um, has had cancer. The little one, Biju. He's a Chihuahua, um, a Chihuahua dachshund mix, and full of life uh, dog. Probably about thirteen years old. He just showed up at the house one day. Literally, just got into the backyard and started hanging out with our dogs, and we kept him. Um, and yeah. So in the past couple of months, he was eating less. His stomach got bloated. Ugh. He was eating less and less. He got really skinny and yeah, it was bad. It was pretty bad. He was anorexic. He was anemic. He wasn't eating. He was throwing up his food. Um, currently living with, uh, with the person I share my dogs with, but still very close. And yeah, so I took him to the vet. They said it's probably cancer, but you know, we'd have to do more tests. It was a very grim outlook, mm -hmm. but she took him back and we were just like, let's just keep pushing it. Keep trying. Shit's expensive too. I took him in a couple of weeks ago just to like take the load off of her because it's stressful yeah. dealing with the dogs and stuff. And yeah, so to a point where I was force feeding him. Oh God. Like I had, like he was throwing everything up and I was, I had this gel, this Ugh. nutrient gel. I would just force feed him. And he just... So, you know, like we both knew the moment was coming. Uh -huh. You know, it's, it's too much, too much. I don't want him to suffer. And I had an interesting trip the other weekend. As you know, I don't smoke mm -hmm. for many reasons. Uh, I get very paranoid. I get in a really, you know, really, really um, high-end state. And it's just not comfortable. Yeah. So what did I do? I smoked, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, Corey had some stuff from the dispensary. I was like, fuck it. We're going to jam. It just took one little hit. Let me see how I do. Uh -huh. um, I didn't have a good time. But I did have a good mental time. Uh, just a lot of thinking, thought about a lot of unresolved conflicts. So that was, uh, ultimately it was a good experience. And also I was realizing okay, I have to take this dog to the fucking vet and try to get an ultrasound to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Long story short, the doctor came in and she was like, I could see her welling up, like trying to compose herself, the, the, the oncologist. And you know, the message was clear. So did it then Monday, September 11th, uh, 3.48 PM. He was, Laying next to me, his little head right here, petting him. And yeah. I'm real sorry about that, Chimp. Fucking sucks. It does suck. And it's the best you can do is be there and send him off. And but um, but uh, thankfully, I found a little spot um, um, in my parents' house. I'm going to have the property forever. So I dug a hole, got deep, about four feet deep, 
where the earth is nice and like soft and moist and gray, beautiful, beautiful dirt. And just put them there. Just kept his remains. I didn't want to cremate them. Just put them there. Did it with my own hands. I got fucking, I don't usually <laughs> dig holes. So I got like blisters. blisters. <laughs> but if, that for me, that was like, it was very um, cathartic. Like, cause you know, when I've lost people in the past, it's not a decision you make, you know, stuff yeah. just happens. But here I was able to have more of a say and get that closure. So it was good in the end. I'm, I'm happy in the end, you know. Life is life. I still got three more dogs, so it's going to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, three more times. Doesn't make it any easier. Doesn't make no. it any easier. But, you know, life goes on. Yeah. Well. The good thing is the next chimp challenge will be, I've, I've had the song I was writing about him. I just haven't recorded it yet, but I'll try to have it by next week. Now you have the context to think of your lyrics. God, that's, that <laughs> sucks. Okay. So expect a very depressing uh, chimp challenge in the near future. But probably beautiful, but depressing. <laughs> a moving one, you know, going through what you've gone through with your, your little guy. And, you know, some of the inspiration can, you know, those breakthroughs and seeing seeing such a big chapter kind of out then uh yeah you can stay fresh and alive for the next stuff that you know find find your where the stuff was uh taking your time attention and and you're you, you know you need to be there force feeding you know it sucks in a lot of your energy and all that so it's now the availability to you know with your other dogs or the other relationships and all the other things life can throw at you, you find some uh yeah new new energy new spirit to tap Completely agree. Exciting too, but <laughs> yeah, new chapters. Right, new chapters. Yeah. So to get back to the new chapter of Bitcoin Grove here at the new location. So, you know, we're organizing a new Bitcoin vortex uh, for the last weekend of October. <clears throat> Roz, you're going to be hosting a Bit Devs. We'll do a Socratic seminar, our monthly series that we try to do every month, and bring a couple people together with some interesting topics about what's going on in the, the Bitcoin builder space with the development and other uh, protocol discussions always happening. But uh, I was recently, and some of the things I think we're going to really cover, the upcoming one is uh, stuff that came from Atlanta's Socratic Village. So I organized uh, with the other cities, Triangle Bit Devs, New York Bit Devs, and devs from Minnesota, <clears throat> we got together and put a bunch of uh, content and topics and Socratic panels, we called them, which were just like Q&A, you know, discussions, but on a specific topic. And for further context, this was at the Atlantic Bitcoin Conference, the Atlanta right. Bitcoin Conference. Which was, a, you know, it's not quite the spectacle that Miami's, you know, Bitcoin Conference, very uh, widely known to just go over the top. This is a, a little bit more of a technical conference and... Uh, you know, more like four or 500 people. So they uh, had a ballroom dedicated to the Socratic Village. And that was our, our space that uh, some of the volunteer organizers like myself occupied and other villages. So there's a next generation village, which was focused on kids and new coiner people that were just learning about Bitcoin and had some tabletop games and some more like beginner friendly type of stuff geared for them. And then a lightning village. Games. Interesting. Like Catan, you know, or a Monopoly or something, but it teaches okay. you some of the f like foundational ideas and con fundamentals of Bitcoin. The one I was uh, really thought was cool and I bought was uh, Huddle Up. So it's uh, like uh, teaches you mining and you're, everybody's a miner competing to mine all the coins. That's cool. That sounds interesting. I was going to ask if people have created some Bitcoin centric tabletop games. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, so I think it's a new entrant, but uh, yeah, there's a couple that are that are cool and feature that, and some other ways that people are discovering. Uh, there's a guy who had the self chart or the um, like different uh, uh, get paid to charge your car, set up like a, a charging station, and people pay lightning and uh, other ways like a, a beer tap where people could pay micropayments and access a right a, a tap that you set up. And yeah, so Tab, the Atlanta Bitcoin Conference always always brings, uh, I think, a lot of the Southeast U.S. You know, people, it's easy to get to Tab from Miami. So I've gone the last couple of years, and uh, this year was uh, it was it was great, especially with a uh, uh, you know 
the news that Miami's not getting a Bitcoin conference in 24 from the, the big the big promotion of uh, Bitcoin magazine. But I'm curious, you know, I, I think uh, should still be a lot going on down here. So I think we'll find some excuses to bring bring people together. I mean, we're definitely going to try, right? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I'm trying to put together a conference sort of thing for next year. So we'll see. I think it's great. How successful like <laughs> once you get once you get your video streaming set up it'd be cool to play that that, that game and, and stream it live yeah we can do some uh tournaments huddle up tournaments there you go yeah people so, get competitive on these tabletop gaming things yeah. yeah um i wanted to you know you mentioned before the show pleb fm and uh you know, one of the events that i want to do for the bitcoin vortex that's coming up is i want to do a screening so I think I've talked probably a couple of times before about this documentary that's being created called Dirty Coin. What's with the up talk? What's going on? I don't know. It's the, <laughs> it's the space that we're in. It's uh, <laughs> screw you, chimp. Screw you, chimp. So uh, my buddy Alana Media Via, she's making this documentary called Dirty Coin, which is about Bitcoin mining and its impact on communities and on the environment trying to combat the FUD and she created or she participated in the creation of a short film called Stranded and I'm not exactly sure what it's about but it's you know it's about Bitcoin mining and she released on her chat room that it was gonna you know she was gonna start showing it in different places and so I hit her up and said hey well could I show this at you know at the Bitcoin Vortex it would be really cool to do that and it would be even cooler if you would be willing to do a question and answer afterwards. And so you could let, you know, like webcam in and, and you could talk to the people who attend this event. And I said, we have smart people. So you get some good, like smart questions. And she, she said, absolutely. We'll screen and then I can do a Q and A. So I think, it, you know, it's a short film. So I'm guessing like that could probably last an hour, hour and a half. And then maybe we could have uh, just like a social afterwards, and maybe maybe that's when we could do like a pleb FM music jukebox thing. Yeah, we gotta find a, a venue or a place to put it on the wall. Yeah, I think yeah. we can do it here. Hmm? Tell me, tell me more about pleb FM because I don't, I don't know the jukebox. So one of the exciting uh, premieres and announcements that happened in Atlanta was. Uh, a showcase of a product we saw in the, the beginning stages um, earlier this year that was finally ready for a party and that was pleb fm which is this idea of a jukebox that's bitcoin enabled so you can see uh your queue and a little qr code that when you open it it allows it brings you into the pleb fm uh, uh bidding interface where you put your number per minute so it starts at like a thousand sats per minute and you pick a song, so a two-minute song is going to cost you 2,000 sats. And if somebody else bids 5,000 sats, their song is up. So it becomes like a bidding war to get up there. And, they, you know, this is all for raising money for the space that threw the party. This is at a hackerspace similar to the Bitcoin Grove, but in Atlanta called ATL BitLab. And they made 2 million sats off of this uh, jukebox during their uh, <laughs> announcement party. So I was like, oh man, we need a jukebox. This is great. <laughs> and yeah, it's a, it's kind of a orange pilling or a, a onboarding uh, vehicle in the sense that you come to a party, you have a song you really want to play or you're sick and tired of everybody else's music. You know, you may find you need a lightning wallet. Oh, okay. And then you actually do the inner, you know, the experience and it's kind of a magical thing and you can bring the price down. It can be like, you know, 500 sats per minute, you know, it doesn't need to start so high, but for the fundraising and the, you know, making it kind of a cool way to, to kind of get people on lightning. It's uh, it's kind of a magical thing. And for parties and social stuff, music has always been bringing people together. So it's already a, uh, you touch Bitcoin to it. it seems to be, I think a, a flywheel potential where we could really have a, awesome parties that uh get people using bitcoin for something that otherwise you know maybe somebody just tries to dick become a dictator of the spotify or whatever that's typically <laughs> what happens but you know opening it up to let let everybody kind of get their music out there and everybody has a better time that way 
Agreed. DJ Dictator. Yeah. DJ Dictator. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, a jukebox is just one of so many obvious use cases for something like lightning. It's so simple and so direct that you, you don't have to involve all of these third parties and all this infrastructure that, you know, the network is the infrastructure. So I think it'll be cool. It would be really cool if we could, if we could, um, you know, bring that, make that real for our community so that they could see what some of the other communities have been putting together. Um, and so the Bitcoin Vortex coming up October, well, right now it's 28, 9, 30, 28, 9 and 30. But uh, if we put this screening together for the Friday, that'll be the 27th, the 28th, the 29th and the 30th. So that'll, we'll have a screening, we'll have a barbecue, we'll have the Broward County Bitcoin meetup, we'll have Bitcoin brunch, we'll have uh, BitDev's Socratic seminar, and if anyone wants to throw anything else, there's time, you know, Sunday evening, or if you want to throw an event in a different location, let's do it. You know, South Florida Bitcoin community, let's make things happen. So uh, any other interesting things you want to mention about TabConf? Like anything that stood out to you or that you heard about or that you were able to see for yourself? No, I think uh, I think we hit all the <laughs> exciting things. <laughs> we can move on. Uh, but yeah, next year, go to Tab if you. Was there any good playing. drama out of uh, TabConf? I mean, they tried to have like a Peter Todd uh, versus Paul Stork um, drive chain debate, which was was less exciting than I think it could have been. Peter mm-hmm. Peter was very light, but still won. <laughs> and there were uh, there were some other like uh, you know it's it's. I haven't gone back and <clears throat> looked at some of the recorded stuff since I was in the Socratic Village. Of course, it's Chatham House rules where you don't record anything and it's kind of got it. You got to be there type of conversation. So I think um, I heard about some ordinal talks. They had an ordinal for Maxi's talk. They had a, a discussion about Bitcoin hacker spaces. So these these are the things that I, uh, I still have yet to tune into so well let me listen to those and then i'll tell you if there are any other spicy meatballs thrown around sounds good to me sounds good to me <laughs> so something else that happened before the show that kind of sparked my uh i don't know what to say sparked my attention was Roz was checking the internet speed here and you know he, he, he was like a hundred 30 something like 135 down or something and then it was like 250 up and then it was like then chimp says is it megabits or megabytes and then we got this whole discussion and then the thing that caught my attention was that chimp said that 150 megabits down was slow and so in comparison yes well wait 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 what in comparison what i'm used to no i mean this is this is not what we were discussing before uh, but my, really what I wanted to bring up was what is the optimal internet speed, right? What do I do? Yeah. What are you trying to do? But I feel like we're so spoiled here in, course, in I, America. I grew and up on 28.8 K modem and a 56 K modem. Did so. you, man, like <laughs> the first modem I got was 56 K. I was like a, an AOL user. I installed it off one of those CDs. I'm pretty sure. And I would dial up to the AOL servers. Roz, what was your first internet experience? I would uh, go back to AOL as well from the CD and uh, <laughs> hopping on. Yeah, I think uh, shortly after the AIM days, you know, yes. my messengers, and then. But uh, it was always a Mac guy. We always had the Mac at my my family's house, so I was getting on Safari once we had our our browser access post AOL. I had a Mac, but like only later in life, like when in my, when I went to college, like I guess I was 19 or something or 18. First time I encountered a Mac was in high school. They had them in like the art class or something. You guys remember the iMacs, which were like funky colors? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That's exactly what they had. Yeah. Yeah. I think they had some of those at my school at Bay Harbor Elementary School. At my elementary school, they had those giant five and a half floppy disks and then we'd play those math blaster oh, games floppy on discs. <laughs> I miss floppy disks. I don't. <laughs> I still have mine, but 
I do think no pre, pre-Mac though, if I can think back, uh, it was a compact with, you know, the Q yep. at the end. It was one of those, uh, probably like windows 98 or DOS. Do you guys, uh, MS DOS first. I can remember trying that, trying to do something with that. So that's gotta be mid nineties, but, uh, the compact computer died and we got an iMac and the rest is history. <laughs> Apple walled garden. Steve Jobs Old got us Jordan. captured. Yeah, you're can still never there. escape. You're still there in the, the Garden of Apple. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that so funny? In the Garden the of Apple, fruit. baby. Oh, how biblical. <laughs> like, so right now I have gigabit internet at home. Uh-huh. And I, for a little while I had 800. What? You pay for a gigabit internet, but what do you actually get? I don't know what I actually okay. get. Do I pay for gigabit internet? I don't even know if I'm paying for that either. You know, I th- I'm paying like 30 bucks a month. How is that? I, I pay for 1.2, but it'll be 700, 800. I've seen a thousand, but like it's usually it's more on 800. Is that fiber? No. No. It's, um, it's fiber at the sidewalk probably. Whatever whatever Comcast has. I, I haven't done AT&T because I, I bought my own modem and I want to keep it that way. Mm. I, I don't want to use AT&T's modem. The, the modem that I have from Comcast is so loud. It's... Silence. And I, I, eventually, I'm, I've been too lazy, but eventually I'm going to change it for another one. But, but you know, like they have one that I guess, you know, it's producing internet for the community in general so that they have that Fuck Xfinity. That. I know, I know, but I was just, <laughs> I don't know, like I was being really intellectually lazy when I was switching the internets or whatever. And then they sent me this mode and I'm just like, ah, whatever, fine. But yep, Tim gives a thumbs down. Yeah, I mean, uh, Captain down. Brunch also gives a thumb down. Three thumbs down. <laughs> Three thumbs down. Not a good rating. So uh, after brunch tomorrow, I'm going to be going to Orlando for the oh. NMEA Expo. That's the National Marine Electronics Association Expo. And uh, so it's a bunch of work stuff. I'm going to like see a bunch of manufacturers of different kinds of electronics like... Uh, you know, fish finders, depth sounders, satellite dishes, um, a bunch of, you know, whatever, all kinds of things, radios, lights, definitely a lot of lights. And I'm, I, I end up working with a lot of lights. So for some reason, I'm, I'm very interested to see the fucking presentations about the lights. Um, I mean, how innovative can the lights get? I don't, I don't know about innovation. I don't think it's innovation. Pretty colors. Are you going to get any certifications while you're there? I already have three certifications. I have three of those four that you're looking at on the screen. <laughs> so get your fourth. Mm, uh, maybe eventually. It's, it's pretty hard work. You have to like really focus and study the crap out of the standards or the, um, the, the, like the, those are day long. And so I'm not going to do any of those because everything I'm going to do is kind of be like one or two hour sessions. And I'm kind of interested. This is going to be like a session on, um, on antenna theory. And that's pretty important because there's various different kinds of antennas that you might use on a yacht. Or I a find boat. that interesting. Like how like these different waves propagate into like this, like, like a compound wave. And I don't really don't understand how all that works. And then, but it's, it still gets broken down into its parts. Yeah, me neither. I don't know if they're going to talk about that. There's also a cornhole tournament at 6.30. Yeah, on the first day on Monday, there's going to be, I guess it's like an icebreaker social. Cornhole tournament. Yeah. I'm down for that. It sounds fun. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do that, but I'll probably hang out, um, you know, just to meet people, I guess. Uh, Oh, a CNC uh, router Worse. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to attend that one because mm-hmm. one of the other ones. There's mm-hmm. like th- they have a lot of um, sessions that are kind of at the same time, so there might be like two or three sessions that are all at the same time, and uh, you got to pick one, right? So I'm, I try to pick the one that's most relevant to me, oh. depending on the circumstances. Not onto our table. Yeah, I don't know. Table is uh, earthquake. It's like oh, it's, it's because it's not on. It's, so, it's, it's actually like, using that that third leg. That's there. A hinge. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, they actually let me. They gave me a free ticket to go to the conference. Is, is it a, at the OCCCCCCCC? No, it's at the DoubleTree by Marriott or by Hilton or something. Orlando at the mouth of Universal Studios. I bet the buffets are going to be amazing. 
I really hope so because there's a lot of buffets included in this <laughs> in this conference, yeah. and they gave me a free ticket because I'm a, an apprentice student, you know. Fashion. So because normally it would be like 650 bucks. Nice. And then I got a pretty good deal on the hotel off of some like Chinese website. Oh my god! <laughs> I wasn't like I mean it was just substantially cheaper than. I hope you actually do have a reservation. It's been it's been confirmed already. I already confirmed <laughs> it with the hotel. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Uh, that's like one of the biggest like credit card disputes. Like I set it up with get a room and I get there and they're like, uh, we don't have a reservation for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine there's a lot of scams on the internet. Hopefully I didn't get scammed. I will find out. And then if I did, I don't know. I mean, I doubt the hotel is sold out. Live in your car. I'm not going to sleep in my car. Uh, there's nothing any, there's nothing like too exciting about this conference other than the fact that like buffet breakfast and buffet lunch. And, uh, I get to find out about a bunch of products. Well, I will say one kind of interesting thing, cause since I'm the only yacht electrician at my shipyard, it's like, I'm the only person who works for my shipyard who works on electrical stuff. I'm kind of the gateway. Like I could sort of introduce myself to people as a way for these companies to be able to sell directly to the yachts instead of going through these other third parties. Because right now it would be like, I would be going through a distributor who would be getting it from the manufacturer. Well, wouldn't the manufacturer rather just go directly through the shipyard? I don't know. So that's like a potential kind of thing that I might explore a little bit. Master buddy, buddy with the distributors. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm going to kind of, I get to meet these people and I can become buddy, buddy with them, you know, uh, especially these light manufacturers (laughs) because the local light distributors, they don't carry all the models. They just carry like most of them. So, I mean, if it would take me pretty much just as long to get it from the manufacturer, you know, I mean, what's, what's paying like 30, 40 bucks for shipping if they're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on these lights. Like I I was looking at a light today. It it was called a steaming light. And I asked the, the guy, I said, what's steaming? And then he just, he basically made a motion with his hand as if like the boat was going forward. Okay. So a steaming light is just so you know, like the boat's like going fast or something. I don't know. But they had to replace this light. And then I looked it up. It was like $1,300 for just this. It wasn't a very big light either, but it's supposed to be able to see it from not five nautical miles away. All right, so enough of that. Thank you. <laughs> Boat lights. Boat lights. I've had, to, I've had to replace so many lights, you know. I, I believe it's just, you. It just becomes a part of my f- life. Yeah. It's a part of my life. Do you dream about lights? You're working on, on a boat no, and the, the lights weird, turn off. I've just had such weird dreams lately. Just such weird any dreams. Any good ones? I can't remember any of them. I pretty much try to forget them immediately because they're all such nonsense. I had a dream where I was uh, speaking with my ancestors and they were, they were asking me, you know, what kind of, what are you up to when you're awake? What what have you been doing? And I was trying to tell them all this stuff and they were just like, wow, sounds, sounds exhausting. (laughs) Just remembered, you know, like there wasn't enough time while I was asleep to talk about everything that I felt like I was doing while I was awake. Uh-huh. You think, you know, you have all the time in the world to sleep, but next thing you know, you're back awake. <laughs> <laughs> I had an <clears throat> interesting trip, but um, just a deconstruction of like myself and, you know, like, who am I? What is Roly? What is Chimp? <laughs> How do I define Chimp? And like, you know, questions I've asked before, I've answers I've, I've had before. I define myself, but it's just like, it's weird. You like, you, you, you get to a certain point where like everything just falls apart and then you kind of have to just remind yourself to ground yourself and it's, it's crazy. Got to check in. Yeah. You got to check in. Exactly. And sometimes you update and you find out, you know, it's new. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's not what it used to be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You synthesize new ideas from mm-hmm. the old and from the new. Absolutely. But I, I had a good weekend. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I mean, things have, like, since things picked up at my job, the, the it's been very fulfilling to be able to just do this mundane crap, but actually be able to succeed at it and to accomplish things. 
It's such a pleasant feeling. I didn't get that so much when I did like customer service or sales jobs. It's just a different sort of sentiment. Ooh, and another kind of interesting thing that I got to do this week that I had not been able to do before was I went up to what's called the crow's nest, which is like the up in the mast of the boat. Like it's the, 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 oh, yeah. the shaft that sticks up from the, from the boat. And on a yacht, usually the, the mast is for all the, like the radio telecommunications devices. And so lights, you know, I had to change some stupid light <laughs> up there, but I saw, but this was technically, this was five stories above the water. Wow. Yeah. So I had to wear a harness, uh, to go up into this little, like, you're feeling like, like Mario <laughs> climbing up. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was kind of interesting. It was, it was kind of cool to have, to go up so high. Do you have a fear of heights? Not particularly. Okay. Um, I fear falling. Well, but <laughs> some people, you know, can't handle heights. Yeah, I don't have a phobia. I, I have no problem going up there and climbing up there. Yeah. Um, Turned out it wasn't a problem today or mm, recently. No, yeah, not yesterday or today. Yeah, I worked today um, overtime, which was nice because taking the next week off is going to kill my paycheck. <laughs> Any update on your uh, stomach problems with a heat stroke? Um, well, so I would say that things have improved significantly, but not completely. So I would say like they're like 80% better, but some days they're 90 something percent better, but then some days they go back to like 80%. So it's kind of, you know, it depends on my diet a lot. And if I just sort of eat too crazy, especially at night, like if I eat a lot of stuff at night, like I'll wake up just super dry mouth strange that means you got to be sleeping with like your mouth wide open no i don't think so i think it's just like the food is consuming all of my hydration oh yeah because you, you need water to produce energy yeah um do you sleep where the ac vent hits your mouth um, I do, so it happens to me i mean the, the the air conditioning probably hits my mouth but not like a direct you know, dry you out. Like I'll usually sleep with a blanket or just right, right, right above my nose. So like, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a snorer, unfortunately. So I have a new election theory. Uh Oh, right. We, and, need, like, we need like, um, Captain Brunch's election theory <laughs> jingle. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't know how serious to take any of my election theories really, but they're just fun to think about. Um, and so essentially, I guess before I tell you the election theory, we've, I've got to play some audio. Okay. I don't know how much of this audio I'm going to be able to stomach, but this is, um, representative McCarthy. What's from California. He's the majority leader, the majority leader of the, the Republican. That's some respect to his name. Congressman. <laughs> oh my God. Leader. And so he just did this press conference earlier in the week, and this is how it goes. When we were gone in the weeks, House Republicans have uncovered serious and credible allegations into President Biden's conduct. Taken together, these allegations paint a picture of a culture of corruption. Now, here's what we know so far. Through our investigations, we have found that President Biden did lie to the American people about his own knowledge of his family's foreign business dealings. Eyewitnesses have testified that the president joined on multiple phone calls and had multiple interactions. Dinners resulted in cars and millions of dollars into his sons and his sons' business partners. We know that bank records show that nearly $20 million in payments were directed to the Biden family members and associates through various shale companies. The Treasury Department alone has more than 150 transactions involving the Biden family and other business associates that were flagged as suspicious activity by U.S. banks. Even a trusted FBI informant has alleged a bribe to the Biden family. 
Biden used his official office to coordinate with Hunter Biden's business partners about Hunter's role in Burisma, a Ukrainian energy company. Finally, despite these serious allegations, it appears that the president's family has been offered special treatment by Biden's own administration. Treatment that not otherwise would have received if they were not related to the president. These are allegations of abuse of power, obstruction, and corruption. And they warrant further investigation by the House of Representatives. That's why today I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. All right, so... <laughs> Thank you. That's very sweet of you, Chimp. Can you... Um, so... Yeah, it took two minutes and 21 seconds for him to get through that spiel of his. Um, so they're going to impeach Biden. The show must go on. <laughs> <laughs> the show definitely will go on. I mean, they impeached Trump twice. The Democrats did. So this is a big swing of the pendulum. Now the Republicans are going to impeach Biden. Tune in next week to find out what happens on... <laughs> If it's just like a way of tainting each other's names. Well, just I mean, is this like the new game. standard of like mudslinging, right? right? <laughs> They're, they've got nothing else to do other than just totally molest the system, for lack of a better phrase. I mean, they're going to do every single thing that they can to just embarrass the other side and to malign the other side and make it seem horrible. Um well, yeah, this, is, this isn't new. This is a uh, natural uh, evolution toward the you know, inevitable outcome when you have this, this type of political system and you have... But this is why the, the checks and balances are, <laughs> are put in so you can't just go after and, you know, the idea that you couldn't just throw your political opponents in, in jail, you know, or else, you know, then as soon as you shift... You go after the other for nothing. But there's uh, there's also the truth that where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So there, all this stuff happening is uh, some of it's political bu bullshit, but uh, we also have a, a corruption at the high higher levels of our government that uh, the people are well aware of yet don't have a mechanism obvious to them to to, you know, opt out or alleviate the impact on their own lives. They just kind of put up with it. At least here in the States, most people are uh, just, yeah, w blindfully uh, just so whatever, you know. Right. How, how does Biden's corruption dealings deal with my day-to-day -day life, me getting bread or, right. or food or working on yachts and lights? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose... They're going to try to spin it such as in, in such a way as to make it seem as though the Biden administration is governing poorly so that they can like benefit from corruption. Whereas if they weren't corrupt, then they would like have the, the, the clarity of mind to govern well. And, you know, like maybe America would be better. I suppose it's going to. So you're saying the corruption is why they govern poorly? Yeah. Like, so, so that they can, you know, take bribes from people. Like, so they're going to take bribes from people instead of governing properly. Like, you're going to pick the companies and the deals, and you're going to focus the government's efforts on those things for which you are getting the most benefit. I feel like even though you may have one or two politicians who aren't corrupt, it's 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 a network of, of different things, you know, things moving here and there. So you're going to have corrupt politicians along the way. So no matter what, at one point you have to deal with the corruption and you have to negotiate with it. And there at that point you become corrupt yourself. So it's like, to me, uh, you can't really get the corruption out of uh, out of um, politics. Yeah, I don't think you can. But, it's so massive. But there's all this theater that you can play, right? So now we're starting to get into what my election theory oh, is <laughs> the election theory and so you can't get rid of the corruption but you can pretend 
right? Just like Bolsonaro, who had claimed that he got rid of the corruption in Brazil, um, we can pretend that we've gotten rid of corruption in the United States. So maybe, um, maybe a successful impeachment against Biden would be a way to like placate some segment of the population into making them think that some measure of corruption has been addressed. So the theory involves the Republicans have to take the Senate by a pretty big swing. And uh, then the Democrats would have to be so despondent with Biden, but then he would, he would have to win the election. But then once he's won the election, then he gets like impeached and thrown out of office. You really think he's going to win the election? I don't, I don't even think he's alive, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, he can win the election. Why not? He won the last one. I think the drugs are and how the hell did he win the last one? I mean, I don't know. I think the drugs that they're they're injecting to him will eventually get to him. He's just gonna have a heart attack and die. I think season twenty four is gonna be amazing. <laughs> season twenty four. I uh I I don't I, I think they that the the science, you know, the medicine they can keep him alive, you know. I think they can just keep him alive. I'm telling you, Pres- if he's even Pres- if he's even a real person, Pres- you know, GPT. because you have like those yeah. people who think that there are more than one Biden, you know, and so like supposedly it's the earlobes. Like you've got the the Biden <laughs> with the with the rounded earlobe and are the Biden with people? the webbed earlobe. Um, I don't think enough about it, right? Like I just don't care enough about the government to really to really care if there's one Biden or two Biden or seven Bidens, or if it's just a deep fake since night, since like 1999, you know, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't. These people are all sock puppets. <laughs> as long as you get your lights, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, don't you like lighting? Don't you like to have lighting? Maybe some like, else, you know, we need to see like LEDs, like maybe like under the desk, you know, and they could illuminate like the floor. And we have uh, a custom Bitcoin Grove neon light in the works. It's going to be nice. Here, yeah. Really? Who's, yeah. What is this about? So this is a, a anonymous uh, donation. Anonymous, but, I mean, like an uncredited donation. <laughs> how can it be anonymous? If you it disappears, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know about it, like, you know, it's coming. Like, this does not sound very anonymous to me. Well, maybe they'll, they'll dox themselves when it's installed. <laughs> maybe there's a signature on it or something. That credits it. I don't know. Ooh. But I think, uh, yeah, there's a couple other neon signs that this person's done before. I'm trying to th- remember which ones, but, uh, Oh, mm, yeah. I can't recall which one it was actually. If you drive down Biscayne Boulevard between uh, like uh, 54th Street and 79th Street, you'll see a lot of neon. Mm-hmm. So it's coming from an artist that does neon. But yeah, I think uh, I think lights on the way back. Yeah, lights are uh, yeah paving the way and showing us the way how to get there. So the key key to have a well illuminated path. All right, so I got one more clip in this saga of Trump that I thought was just, this is just too perfect, right? So like pretty much immediately after um, McCarthy comes out and says that you've got Matt Gates. On this very floor in January, the whole world witnessed a historic contest for House Speaker. I rise today to serve notice. Mr. Speaker, you are out of compliance with the agreement that allowed you to assume this role. Oh. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So, so, so this guy, this other guy, just this guy's boss, so to speak, just announces that he's going to impeach the president. And this guy is, is serving notice to his boss. The path forward for the House of Representatives is to either bring you into immediate total compliance or remove you pursuant to a motion to vacate the chair. So the the guy's literally threatening. He's saying we're going to vacate your chair. Like what? What the? 
fuck is he talking about? No vote on term limits or on balanced budgets as the agreement demanded and required. There's been no full release of the January 6th tapes. As you promised, there has been insufficient accountability for the Biden crime family. And instead of cutting spending to raise the debt limit, you relied on budgetary gimmicks and rescissions so that you ultimately ended ended up serving as the valet (laughs) to underwrite Biden's debt and advance his spending agenda. Mr. Speaker, that was a good line. Valet gimmicks and rescissions so that you ultimately ended up serving as the valet to underwrite Biden's debt and advance his spending agenda. So he's calling his boss the valet to Biden's budget. Mr. Speaker, you boasted in January that we would use the power of the subpoena and the power of the purse. But here we are eight months later and we haven't even sent the first subpoena to Hunter Biden. That's how you know that the rushed and you know, somewhat rattled performance you just saw from the speaker isn't real. At this point during Democrat control over the House of Representatives, they had already brought in Don Jr. three times. And we haven't even sent the first subpoena to Hunter Biden. Power of the subpoena and power of the purse. Only thing the 118th Congress is known for at this point is electing Kevin McCarthy speaker and underwriting Biden's debt. And unfortunately, there's only one of those things we can remediate at this time. (laughs) Okay, so it seems to me like this guy's accusing McCarthy of impeaching Biden as a distraction. That seems to be what he's saying. He's just saying like, okay, like you've got nothing going. You're not working on anything. The budget's a joke. I think they should just call a clean slate and everyone loses their office and everyone has to run again. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the incumbents are mostly going to win again. Yeah, name re- name recognition. And take those incumbents. And the incumbents are disqualified from running. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, that would be nice. Um, I'm super down. Like, that's that's one of the only things we could do is fire these people. And we don't though. We're just so, we're so trapped by like the notion that they can solve our problems. So the, the guy whose clip you just showed us, he's mad that his boss is trying to fire the president. So he wants to fire his boss. Well, no, he's, he's saying that he's mad that his boss is trying to fire the president instead of like releasing the January six tapes or instead of, um, like fighting against the budget or, in, you know, like oh, instead of those yeah. other things that he supposedly promised to get himself elected as the Speaker of the House, because you might recall that there was this whole drama where the tea, but they're not called the Tea Party anymore. What are they called now? These like the radical right now, the, the, the radical right, they essentially refused to elect him. And it was kind of a joke because I talked about it on the show, actually. I don't know if you recall, Chimp, but I was talking about the fact that if there was actual bipartisanship, if people actually cared about governing, the Democrats and the Republicans would cooperate to pick a speaker that they could both tolerate. And then the speaker could actually get a like majority of both parties to elect them. But instead, what they do is they have to peddle to the most extreme versions of their own party um, in this sense, that's essentially what happened. So that Matt Gates, to get himself elected by the Republican majority in the Congress, had to make all of these promises to the radical right Republicans, promises that he could never actually keep once he was the Speaker of the House. It sounds just like the whole thing with the squad and AOC, they made all these promises and then yep. they just fell back in line. Of course, because it's not just about getting, you know, like the House of Representatives to pass a bill, but it's then it has to go to the Senate. So if there's no like if this if the Senate is controlled by Republicans, like let's say in the in the case of the the squad or if the Senate is controlled by the Democrats, like now in the case of these radical right Republicans, like there's no chance that a radical right agenda is going to get through the other house. Right. And so this is the reality that Matt Gates is facing. But again, I think if, if there was, if these people were serious about governance. Right. They're just serious about keeping their, their position. Yeah, of re-election. course. They're just, every, everything they do is just looking towards their next election. Hey, yeah, we do have a short term thinking with all these cycles. But then, you know, the alternative is uh, it's hard to get people out if you don't keep them in check with constant election cycles 
So there's got to be a, uh, you know, balancing act between having unelected people in f forever positions. That's that's obviously bad. But then people that are constantly campaigning is not governing. Would it help? Also if, bad. Would it, would it help if we had tighter term limits? Um, we'd have new people in office all the time. Would that slow but what down about the good, good people that uh, should stick around longer? Well, you then know? they'll help in the community otherwise. Yeah. Mentors. Yeah, but, <laughs> but they theoretically could get replaced by bad people. It's, uh, I personally, I don't have like a, you know, I don't fall one way or the other since I'm an anarchist. So I don't believe any of that crap. Um, I think there's interesting arguments on both sides. Go burn some buildings, you fucking I'm not that kind anarchist. of an anarchist. <laughs> I'm a I'm a peace loving anarchist. I, I I see now why you went into the into the blue collar world. Why is that? <laughs> Building up your tools <laughs> so you could tear down government center. I tear know. down government center one <laughs> bolt at a time. Um, no, I mean, it. So yeah, if if you have someone who's like somehow not corrupt, which to me just more or less seems impossible. Um, you don't want them to leave office, right? You want them to be able to stay in office so that they can continue to, to do good things in office. But what is the measure, right? Like I used to be a big fan of Ron Paul. And I mean, I still admire the idea of Ron Paul as a human being, but what utility did Ron Paul really have? Like he was an ineffective congressperson. So even though he did what he he did what he told his constituency would do, which was to vote in a way that represented his fiscal uh, preference. Yeah, you know, so he was like called Dr. No because he would vote no on all of these, on any bill that would like increase government spending um, on pork barrel spending and all these kinds of things. He would vote no on that and he would tell his constituents, I'm going to vote no on this stuff and they would keep voting for him. So, you know, he was a a good politician, so to speak, but he was an ineffective politician. He didn't more, get anything done. More symbolic than anything. I mean, I think the, the most effective thing that he got done was him and like, I don't remember who else it was, but they were able to get the Fed to admit that they had uh, loaned out over $16 trillion during the bailout phase of like the 2009, like 2008 crisis. That mm. was like the only, so of, like that's the only thing he did. That he, he, he has he, a great uh, like archive of sound bites of all his. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can listen to Ron Paul uh, vintage clips for a long time. So that's an accomplishment. I yeah, think. one day we, <laughs> we could play him on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> I well, mean, but but isn't that symbolism important though? Even if it's ineffectual, still having like uh, people be, being able to see it as a possibility and someone actually sticking to what they said they would do. Even though it's, you know, doesn't do shit. Is it important? I don't know if it's important. Like I admired it. Like I said, I admired Ron Paul. I was a fan of his. I like got a lot of people to vote for Ron Paul when he was running for president. Um, but I don't know. Like I he, think that's important. Yeah. He, maybe the movement that he championed and like at some point, cause look, his son is active in politics, uh, <sighs> hitting a lot of the, like Rand Paul yeah, but a lot of the same, uh, maybe he's more uh, conservative than libertarian, but a lot of the same shit that Ron Paul he's was doing. Sell out. Hmm? I mean, if like Bitcoin happens to go away and you know, and we, we all die, but like, isn't the movement that happened more important, not more important, but the fact that it happened, if nothing ever happens with Bitcoin, are, are we saying everything that, that that's happened until now is not important? No, I don't agree. I, I do think that's important. Um, I do think it's important, but that's my opinion. If everybody's on a CBDC standard in 50 years, was, was Bitcoin pointless? <laughs> I don't think it would have been pointless because it has not been pointless to me, right? Like, so to, to answer what you said, I mean, no, it has not been pointless because I've gotten a lot of value. But you'll be dead. Only the CBDC people. I'm going to be people. dead in any way, right? <laughs> Only CBDC people can survive. That's okay. I'm going to die no matter what. But I've enjoyed myself and Bitcoin has been a part of that enjoyment. <clears throat> and I hope that my expectation is that Bitcoin will actually increase that enjoyment as opposed to peter out or disappear or get it, get successfully attacked. 
Um, I do want to, one thing before we close up, since I remembered is, um, the radio station idea that you were having. Oh, I got to hash this one out. Oh yeah. So I mean, we can chat, chat yeah, about like it, just a few minutes, you know, like what, what's okay. the basic premise of, well, basic premise is I have this big empty space right across the street from the, the Miami Odyssey, uh, radio headquarters. And I was just thinking about radio and I was listening to WVUM and thinking about pleb FM and I'm getting these uh, ideas that like, Oh my gosh, like radio is such a big, uh, cultural driver. And it's like, you know, you have your conservative talk show radios, you have your, your Christian like Bible thumpers, and then you have the NPR, you know, like intellectual global homo networks. And then you have, you know, like all sorts of stuff. And, uh, one of the killer apps, if you will, in Bitcoin culture has been podcasts. Like everybody's got a podcast. Here we are. And I think hey. there's, uh, I think, I think, you know, there's audio content or, uh, reach that maybe, uh, some of the cypherpunk stuff beyond Bitcoin, but just the idea that you can have a more free society if you focus on privacy first and interesting cryptography to make messages across adversarial environments possible these are the things that cypherpunks did and bitcoin is a tool they brought us and some of the other cool cypherpunk tech could be talked about more or featured more and there's music too that's like aligned with cypherpunk so that's where cypherpunk radio was like a idea that you know i started looking at these internet radio things and i like I, that cypherpunk radio cpr yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as an antidote to like an NPR type program, the cure to NPR, yeah. CPR. You have you have stuff a breath that's, of fresh air. Yeah, yeah. You have stuff more. You know, some audio breaks reminding you to you know get your seed played or store your phrase, self custody, and just constantly pushing people in in a direction where maybe it's not like the most advanced shop talk, but maybe that's a part of it. Maybe you have like a, a regular piece of the programming that really dives deep in in some of the like technical stuff and talks to like hackers that are breaking things and then maybe you have more stuff that's like culturally uh entertaining and, and not necessarily uh super like heavy but i think also music and spoken word and some of the other art forms that uh do well on radio could uh we could be aggregating some of the stuff that helps advance bitcoin ideas or, or the ideas that are you know, important for people to align the values uh, to make Bitcoin happen. I think uh, radio uh, programming continues to reach a lot of people. So I was like, why, why don't we have this? And like a lot of the media brands are so focused on like pods or this like, you know, Great. content style that, yeah, that like focuses on them and they build these person brand personalities and it's not always on the message. And I think, I think radio is, is uh, one that, it's easy to remove the person and still deliver on the message. Obviously like Rush Limbaugh and all these radio personalities still build a big thing. But I feel like, uh, NPR at least doesn't, I guess there are personalities on NPR They're everywhere you go. You yeah. <laughs> but radio seems to insulate pretty well from that type of thing. So, you know, when you told me first told, mentioned the idea to me, I already started speaking thinking about like what? Thanks. Speaking to the mic. Yeah, I started I immediately started thinking about like where can the content come from. But what were you thinking about in terms of how you could fill the content of a twenty-four hour radio station? Well, I'm very inspired by like WVUM's student run thing they did, and I, I listen to it all the time. And it's you know, it's very low bar. Like <laughs> a lot of the programming that uh, you you. you you know, you're not going to be disappointed if you keep your expectations low, but uh, it's diverse. And I think that's where it shines in the, in the diversity. We get like an hour of video game music and then you'll have an hour of like some sort of request punk line. And then you get like an hour of sports talk. That's just horrible cringe. And then you get an hour of really interesting, uh, some sort of like underground music interview. And then you get a, an hour of decent stuff. So it's, it's just like it's always all over the place. So I, I, uh, I think you could do something. Bitcoin is kind of all over the place in the personalities and the types of people that have been attracted. You have a lot of very interesting corners of the earth that they've crawled out of. So some sort of like submission based programming, like give me a pilot, record it, and we'll broadcast it a couple times a week and see uh, if it's like on a value for value thing, if, if anybody is actually getting additional 
uh, traction or, or making boost or sat tips or whatever, you can you know get more justification to give them more 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 share of the overall uh, opportunity in in the week. So like more, you know, the stuff that gets engagement should play out and should win the slot the best time slots. And as far as I know, there is no Bitcoin like radio station yet. Is I've there? heard, I, I, not that I know, not like this, not like the way I've envisioned, but that, I don't know. Like there is value for value. Well, is there even a value for value radio station yet? And like, I'm, I'm thinking about like our content delivery now is so like, it's, you know, you click on what you want and you, and you listen to it. And that's the bigger innovative thing in the last 20 years. But I still love the idea of radio where you just turn on and see what's going on. You yeah. Know? So I would love to use the stream for that. That sounds really cool. I'd love to like donate that. That'd be sweet. Right so I did, I did grab uh, uh, cypherpunkrad.io, which I thought was a great, great domain. Yeah. And I'm uh, looking at uh, CPR, all the different CPR things. <laughs> <laughs> CPR.miami. haven't pulled the trigger, but that's, that one's out there. The .miamis. But uh, yeah, I th- and, uh, Bitcoin culture, Bitcoin values, I think, are, are coming from cypherpunk. Uh, you know, the, the, what was it? Eric Hughes wrote the cypherpunk manifesto manifesto in early nineties. And I think that birthed the newsletter Mets Dowd, where the white letter was originally posted and white we could paper. T- white, yeah, paper. white letters, <laughs> white, <laughs> the Bitcoin white paper, peer to peer electronic cash on the newsletter. Uh, yeah. So I think that's, that's kind of the, the place where some of these values are coming from, but it's come a long way since then, right? Like the people who uh, were involved then are uh, expressing things, but it boils down to privacy is the, the number one fundamental thing to get right before you try to advance or figure out all these hard problems with how do we get our governance to be less, a government to be less corrupt or how do we get good people out or how do we do X, Y, Z? None of it matters if you're in a surveillance state and you have no privacy. So we start, start with the privacy and build um hopefully if you can maintain the the right to choose what information is revealed about you then you have a a shot at freedom we're shooting for freedom here at bitcoin grove for saturday (laughs) (laughs) september 16th whoa we're having some bluetooth blunders Ooh, champ what's going on fix it in post We'll do it live. So, Roz, thanks for coming on to Saturday Night Lit. Thank you guys for having me, Chief. It's uh, always a pleasure. Uh, with Captain Brunch. This chimp. A little bit of part of history. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Until next time. Peace. <laughs>